0: Oh my gosh, you guys uh you know, I'll tell you, Noah, uh I had to have a talk with myself after your ThinkPad review in last. That was a oh, legitimately yeah? tempting review. Like after the the, the things that the 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 main things that really sold me was the problem free uh built in LTE modem and yep. uh the uh temporary battery. So you could swap you could swap batteries. I'm big on yep. that. I'm big on battery yep. swap. And I was I was king of battery one of the one of my favorite laptops of all time was the Apple uh, Pismo and it was like when Steve Jobs was gone and every bay was modular and compatible with each other so DVD bays could also be battery bays so you could have right. two batteries or two DVDs right. or a hard drive <laughs> and a battery and I love that man because I get eight nine hours of battery life out of you that know thing. I, I don't want to make you
1: I don't want to make you uh, I don't want to make you too jealous but Chris do you know what my latest thing is on the ThinkPad what have you heard of the battery slice the what? So the battery slice is a a battery literally the the footprint of the laptop itself.
0: Oh so and it's, it goes uh, underneath it kind of, right? And it goes underneath and That's not that's not even it. new. That's been around for a little bit actually cuz I used to around, have I've one. I've
1: never I've not had one before. And I had I had I had a 10-hour flight to Tokyo. I had a 5-hour yeah. flight to Seattle. I had a 1-hour flight to Minneapolis. I had 2 hours in the airport there. I had 2 hours in, yeah. in the airport in Tokyo. And I had my laptop powered on pretty much the whole time.
0: Yeah. It went almost 24 hours so straight. So this actually goes like in the docking port, right? Yes.
1: The battery slice attaches to so the So you
0: have your power. extended battery plus you now have this battery, which goes in your docking port. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, they've had that for a while. That's super cool. I, I yeah, used like to ha- I used to have I one. I switched between bit. all
1: the batteries because of that uh, power dock or the, the yeah. Pow- what do they call it? The, the power center at the yeah.
0: front. Yeah. 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 too bad. I really, really, really don't like Lenovo as a company. This is Linux Unplugged, episode one hundred and fifty one for June twenty eighth, two thousand and sixteen. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show. That's ready to go on vacation and is trusting the post-production process. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hello there, Noah. Thank you for joining me this week. You're actually back. You made it back from Tokyo. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't without events. <laughs> well, I'm glad you could make it because we have a great show today. Uh, coming up, a Linux Mint 18 is just hitting the interwebs. I'll give you my quick take on that. I've got it installed on a machine and uh, I kick the tires. And then later on, is desktop Linux almost dead? I don't mean actually like Linux on the desktop, I mean desktop computers in general. Now with these massive machines that are desktop replacements, devices like the NUC and of course the penetration of mobile, you gotta wonder, is there really a role for the truck anymore? At least let's zoom out like 10 years and talk about the future of Linux on the desktop, especially in light of some recent new hardware releases. Plus, we've got great updates from the Red Hat Summit, from the Docker group. There could be a new new Ubuntu phone in development, what? And much, much more. So Noah, I am super looking forward to Linux Unplugged 151 because 152 will not contain any Chris. So this is my last episode before I go on vacation. You'll sit down in the center seat at the helm and command the ship. Uh, and you're—I—I t- couldn't—I can't even believe you're here. I can't even believe you're here because I figured you're coming back from Tokyo. You're a yep. busy guy. You got a lot yep. of stuff to cover. A lot of things to, to catch up on. 11,
1: Eleven fifty-nine at night when there's no flights to Grand Forks. <laughs> so you end up spending a good amount of time in Seattle. It sounds like. I ended up spending from eight in the morning until like six fifty in the Seattle airport, and I, I I was to the point where I thought I was going to inadvertently be doing Linux Unplugged in studio, and then uh, and then I made a last fl- last ditch effort flight and and got back to Minneapolis at midnight, and then rented a car and drove for four and a half hours back. to Oh Grand Port, so no. Not back. I had a client that I had to take care of this morning. And so I was, I really, I was expecting to be back on Saturday and that didn't work out. And then I was hoping to get back on Sunday and that didn't work out. And so ended up being Monday. Very, very, very
0: late, man. It's always down to the wire, isn't it? Isn't it funny how that happens? Uh, I work much better that way. It's true. That's true. Uh, I have this, you know, my road trip, I'm coming, I'm going to Montana, I'm going to do some soaking, I'm bringing Dylan with me, it's his first road trip, he's seven years old, you know, it's, it's, it's summer break between first grade and second grade for him, so this is like a big mm-hmm. deal trip, this is like, this is like the stakes are high, this is his first impression to road trip. so we're really trying to make sure we just stock it full of fun stuff for him to do, so we're going to stop along the way, we're going to do like the Lewis and Clark Caverns, we're going to go to water parks, and all, we basically have activities planned every single day. But I, as of right now, I still don't even have Lady Jupes back in my possession. Jeez, man. <laughs> I know. I have, that, It is down to the are, wire, Noah. You
1: are. You're cutting it down to the wire. I'm really <laughs> glad that you've given yourself – well, that, that 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 the circumstances have turned out so that you have so much leeway when something goes wrong.
0: So, it, so here's what I've learned. It's like owning a boat, I think. Uh, owning an RV is like owning a boat where every time you kind of take it out on a major voyage, stuff breaks and uh that's why you own RVs that have warranties that cover everything. And to their credit, uh you know I I I've everything has been covered for totally absolutely for free. The only problem is the delay as you authorize parts and you wait for that and that kind of thing. So right. I don't even think this road trip is going to be possible except for uh we've gotten great customer service by one individual. I'm going to give him a shout out right here to Jeff. He's down at Sunset RV. Now, they have a they have a main Fife location where we bought our rig, but at a Buckley is where their maintenance divisions run. And Jeff, like, he's been calling up Thor and verifying, are you authorizing this? Where is this at? Can you put rush shipping on these parts? And then he's going to drive it up to our campsite as soon as it's ready to go. So that way we can start loading it up and, and pack it up. So we don't have to do that whole drive my truck down there, jump in the rig and hit the road thing. We can actually pack it up at our at our regular site. So he's going to drive it up there when as soon as they get done working on it, even if that's Thursday night, Friday night, something like that. And uh, I told him if he if he can bring it up there, I'll take him out for a beer. <laughs> Cause yeah, I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I leave Saturday morning. I leave yeah, Saturday morning, so it's like yeah, tight. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, and then at some point uh, you'll be hearing a lot more from Noah because uh, he'll be uh, sitting in in the seat right here. So let's jump into some of the stories we have to get into this week. we got a lot of project updates, a lot. And so uh, without going too far, without getting to them, I think we should probably bring in our virtual lug. Time-appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Hey, Pip. pip. Time-appropriate greetings. Hey, oh hello, hello, everybody. Hello. Well, hello. Hi there. You know, uh, I wanted to talk about something right at the top of the show because uh, Mr. Drum, Edrum, or perhaps you might know him as Sean, in the Mumble Room has worked or on sometimes something. Adrian. Yeah, well, I'm (laughs) no. He worked on something special uh, for me as a gift for Lass's 10th birthday. And uh, it was a nice, totally set up. We'll talk more about why it's super 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 cool. Uh, Set up installation of Mattermost for the Jupyter Broadcasting community. Now, we've talked about Mattermost in the past. That's that open source alternative to Slack. So is Rocket Chat. That's another one. And this week, I wanted to highlight an article over at opensource.com because I really ragged on them last week. So I thought it'd only be fair to highlight when they do something pretty cool, to actually give them some credit. So (laughs) I I don't know if you had a chance to listen to last week's episode, but I kind of called them out for a few things. And uh, this week though, I thought they had a great post up here by Adam Hyde on open source software needing to sell the user experience. And I think a lot of us that listen to the show or participate in our virtual lug agree that user experience is a super important part of the end result. And he talks about how Mattermost is doing open source the right way, about how they're creating a compelling project, something that definitely competes with Slack, takes advantage of its open source heritage, uses that to build into features, have things like code highlighting and, and snippets that are way better than anything Slack can do, while also providing a great interface. And so it was sort of, I thought, a great opportunity with this article just posted, full link in the show notes if you guys want to read it. Maybe we'd talk to Sean. And and get his uh, sort of back-end take on ma- uh, Mattermost, what it was like to set it up for something that could potentially be used at large scale, and uh, just sort of his overall thoughts on it. So, Sean, first of all, thanks for the uh, 10th anniversary gift of setting up Mattermost. We had a cool opportunity to use it during our Fedora review. We had a back-channel thread going during last. worked out super well. Uh, I kind of just want to hear your thoughts on setting up Mattermost for a production deployment and what you think of it as a software technology.
2: Uh, yeah, it's really. Um, I think it's really. It's really runs really well um, during the Fedora review. Everyone was on there. The load on the server, CPU load was like point zero five. Yeah, it was. CBC, like and RAM was like two hundred megabytes, and it just just purrs like a kitten. Um, setup wise, back when uh, you did the ro- the Mattermost and Rocket Chat review, uh, is when I started working on this, and I actually created a script for DigitalOcean to put in the user data field and so you just paste paste that in there um set the variables for your configuration and let it rip and it goes through and it takes care of uh, setting up the firewall setting up your admin user it generates um all new salts all passwords sets up uh the, the whole stack and it um, also does sets up Let's Encrypt. So if you already have your A record, cool. you can just set that up right during the install. If not, there are two, um, two admin scripts in the admin user's home directory. And at that point, you can just run. One will install a self-signed cert, and the other one will set up uh,
0: Let's Encrypt. Hmm. And it'll also create a cron job, so auto-renew. So what so, would you say once all this is set up? Uh, sorry, then you can go. I just the thought. I just want to know for people that are that are listening right now that maybe have an open source project they're involved in. Total commit time to getting Mattermost uh, at a decent Mattermost installation at that setup. Uh, total commit time. What do, would you say it is? Uh, if you use my script, uh, three to five minutes. Can you link that to me in the IRC so I can put in the show notes and then go ahead. Noah.
1: Yeah. And to be clear, when he says a script, he doesn't mean like you have to set DigitalOcean up and then log into the droplet and then run a script. That's not what he's talking about. He actually custom designed the script so that it can be dropped in in the DigitalOcean control panel. And then spun up. That is awesome. And, yeah, and I wasn't even aware of that feature, DigitalOcean. And during Linux Fest la- uh, Northwest, like two months ago, we were in the hotel lobby, at like three. In- Why is it that the meeting time in the hotel lobby is like three in the morning? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's because literally- it's either you're there to pick up hookers or you're talking about Linux. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's true. That's true. well, there were no hookers
1: in blow that night, so we were working on uh, we were working on our laptops, and he was showing me how he could literally drop this script in. You change like what Sean Seven's variables, and then you click on the button. There's, and there's three the that you so
2: need to change, three and three then, variables. but there's like 30 other variables you can change if you want to really set it up and not have to do any configuration, or if you want to keep the configuration that you already have and set it up on a second droplet as like a failover, or if you want to test something, you can use the same configuration
0: for both. Hmm, you know, here's why, Sean, I think this is kind of an important thing, and I... D- I actually wouldn't mind just sort of double downing on the, uh, double downing. That sounds like a sandwich on this because uh, one of the things that one of the reasons why Jupiter Broadcasting accidentally started using Slack was because it took me 35 seconds to try it, and then I was like, "Oh, well, we could actually use this." And so this is basically the way the way the decision tree works for me is: Is this going to be a critical piece of technology to the operate to the successful operation of my business? If it is. I would like to own it, control it, deploy it. However, if owning, controlling, and deploy it takes way more time than I have to dedicate to it, then I will never do it. I will never get it done. So then I might as well just go use the hosted solution that seems to be from a reputable company that's going to be around for a while, because at least then I'm using something versus not using anything at all. So by creating a script that makes it super fast and easy to deploy Mattermost, you're, you're, you're making it much more competitive, I think, with uh, Slack. Sean, what was the first thing I told you
1: when you first telegrammed me and said, Why aren't you guys using Mattermost?
2: Um, because oh. Chris would have to set it up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and what did I say Chris's decision is based off of?
2: Uh Path of Least, least <laughs> Resistance the Least Resistance.
1: Damn it! You make me sound like a bastard, Noah. It's not no, like no. no, no. I just make you sound like a uh, like a person who has a lot of really important things to do, and so de- delving into uh, to the specifics of setting up a server on a relatively new software platform is not really something you have the time or energy to to, to tackle. Well, but if and- somebody
0: else did it. You'd be willing to use it, especially when you're not sure how much value it's actually going to return to you. So you know, you you're not really willing to commit a half a day to something if it's maybe something nobody uses. Right, Because um, who would think that uh, setting up something that's basically IRC would actually be useful? Why not just use IRC? I mean, that's that was my default thinking about it, and that was my, my essential um, bias that I had, my old man bias coming in until I uh, actually tried it. So I don't know. Uh, uh, Mr. Drum, anything else you want to touch on on uh, Mattermost before we move on? I don't think so, then.
3: Um, They're no.
4: working on a federated system, so you can have multiple Mattermost connect to each other.
0: That's cool. That will be very nice. That will be very very nice. That's always something I'm a big fan of. Uh, speaking of fans, I, I there is something going on over at System76. They have a. Uh, it's only going on for a little bit too, but they're lowering prices with uh, with with retweets of the or tweets of the hashtag Ubuntu76 uh, for two days. Up to $350 off. And I, I, I'm I, not saying I have inside knowledge. I'm just saying I have inside knowledge. That's all I'm saying. And <laughs> you have a little inside knowledge too, Noah. There is something in the works yeah. here. I'm just saying it's in your benefit to get in on this. Just put that out there. So if you check them out, uh, twitter.com slash system76, they're tweeting about it right now. The key is to tweet with hashtag Ubuntu76. And uh, <laughs> there's something they've been working for Quite a while on, really hard, and they're super, super excited about it. I've been getting telegrams. I mean, I shouldn't say this. Unidentified sources have been informing me about what could be in the works, and I'm just saying I'm pretty excited about it. (laughs) So I've been retweeting, and uh, you guys should, too, because it'll be worth it. Uh, All right. Speaking of what might be worth it, this might be worth buying. This could be my next, and finally, I might add, the first Ubuntu phone I buy. It's called Midori, and no, it's not a GTK web browser based on WebKit that you wish you could use but just doesn't have enough features. It could be the next Ubuntu phone. That's at least according from reader Richard S. over at OMG Ubuntu, who pointed OMG Ubuntu to bug 1551811. Obviously, I know what you're all thinking. It's right there in the name. This obviously points to a new Ubuntu phone. Actually, the bug mentions a device code named Midori with regards to a trust prompt issue that causes a reboot on the MX4 and a mystery new handset. Later on in the bug report, Director of Engineering over at Canonical says says, this will block Midori RC. Of course, RC being the release candidate channel for Ubuntu touch images. A quick googling around shows that Midori would be in keeping with the code names for previous Ubuntu devices. Because they're based, for some reason, on Dragon Ball franchise references. So you have a, f- a couple other bits of evidence, too. There's some discussion in IRC channel about working on a fairly large change. Uh, interesting. Poppy. could you define the term OFONO for me? What is that? What is
3: OFONO? Ofono. Oh, it's the radio stack that we use for uh, doing... Uh, it's, well, it's part of the radio stack. You know, think of it like network manager and all that sure. kind of stuff.
0: So they uh, they're working on a fairly large phono change at the moment uh, for a new handset. It says in IRC, and we're expecting to land and land a new version of phono soon. Ooh, what could it be? A new device is expected. All of a sudden, codename Midori. Hmm. Noah. Noah. I think where there is fire and there is smoke, there is an Ubuntu phone. What do you think? <laughs>
1: I think think you might be onto something. Uh, The uh, every time I see the Ubuntu phone in person, I am, I'm, I tell myself, I'm like, this is perfect. I want this. Did and you get then, a little action before, itself?
0: Did you get a little, uh, did, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, so Michael Hall, that's his exclusive phone, right? So that yeah. like, and we took him, they, so Canonical shipped them a computer for their demo, but they may or may not have forgotten the Euro cord that goes in the back of it. Euro cord so, dude, really? Yeah, sorry, power <laughs> cord, power cord. So they, uh, so we had to go to a, a store to go get a power cord and, uh, we and so we're, we're, I was in the car and I was, I was talking with him and I was like, Man, you, you really use that all the time. And he's like, Yeah, it's, you know, it's a great
0: experience. You're, you know, hold have, on, let's be clear. You're like, No, you're in the car with Michael Hall driving I, to a I, electronic I'm store get, and you're I'm like, Holy getting, crap, you're, no, time, you're I, not shitting me. You actually use Ubuntu Touch. That's your reaction. You actually are using that thing. You didn't pull out an Android device when we go to find an electronic store. That was your well, reaction. So I just, to me, I just
1: have a problem. And I think you're in the same boat of like using. The same uh, using a phone that doesn't have the the available apps. Yeah, that, like that every other platform does. And, but you know, and they have the necessary ones, right? They have like a terminal and, a, and mm-hmm. an email client and Telegram and stuff like Telegram and Telegram. But um sure. but you know, there's there's a couple of things that are missing, and so I okay. guess I was a little surprised that that was his exclusive phone. But it seems, with a couple of exceptions, seems to work very very well. Wait, for are him.
0: you saying that I, there wasn't a maps program on the phone?
1: There was. Yeah, he does. So he doesn't have GPS. So we, I was doing oh. the navigation.
0: Oh, the phone doesn't have GPS. Well, I think the phone does it. It does. I, I he happened. Bun-
3: he happened to have a broken one.
0: Oh, that's oh, <laughs> that's a bit oh. of a bummer.
1: <laughs> so, 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 In any case, so there, there were. There's, there's like little pitfalls. The thing, though, when I get back, though, is I just have such a hard time to actually make the leap. Like when I'm sitting here and I'm using my S6, and I'm not a huge Android fan. Like I don't particularly like Android. <laughs> I just don't know that I dislike it enough to go to a completely different. Hmm. a a completely different system. And it's. I was looking through, you know, like even small things like, you know, we switched over to OS Ticket for Speed now. I'm not going to have an app for that. And I use that daily, you know, to upgrade, update work orders and get push notifications when new ones come in and and all that. Derek Devlin, where do you fall down
0: on this particular issue? For me,
5: uh, I think it will happen, uh, the transition in the same way transition happened for me in Windows. Like when I was using Windows... Yeah. When I transitioned from Windows to full-time Linux, I w- was like this decision of like, I'm not going to care. just going to deal with the, uh, the circumstances that show up as they show up because I believe in it. So I want to see where it goes and be huh. supportive of it. Well, that. that's
0: usually no one's line. I did
5: that and uh, I don't regret it. And in the phone, I think it will happen that I've been saying that I'd like a convergence thing, but you know... I think when I do the jumping, it will be like that. I'll just drop my phone and say, "Whatever." If it's not there, I'll work on getting it there.
1: You know what I think I need? I guess what I need is I need a me in the mobile space. I need somebody to come along, walk alongside me, and and solve my problems so that I'm not so and and hold my hand so I'm not scared. That's what I need.
0: Hmm. Uh, Poppy, how how realistic would it be uh, for someone like me? to assume that this might be an image for a device that already exists versus a brand-new device.
3: Uh, so this was reported on OMG Ubuntu, and I think there was a photo of the device as well. There's been a couple of photos mm-hmm. leaked. I've seen a one couple of myself, yeah. Was, yeah, one of them was a bit pixelated, and the other one um, uh, I think is a bit clearer. But, but they show the convergence
0: in the- full effect, and they show it docked to, like in one case it shows it docked right. in there, and you see the, you see the Unity 8 session up on the screen.
3: But when you mention the image, it's pretty much the same image on every device. So when, you know, some new feature is enabled, it's enabled for everyone. Unless it's like hardware specific, like a fingerprint reader or something, um, then it you know, everyone gets it. So if there's new software which fixes bugs in network manager or something that fixes bugs in the radio or GPS, then everyone gets the fixes on all the devices. You own a do you own a PlayStation 4, Poby? Uh, no, I'm a uh, PC gamer, PC Master I Race. So. I just wonder because I just saw this leaked photo with the PS4 and I just wonder where it came from. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think that's, that's uh, you know, when you're compiling stuff, you like turn to the screen next to you and start playing games stuff. Yeah, that's not a bad way to go.
0: Hmm, I really, I, I find it to be exciting that uh, there's a possibility that there's such a new, there's a new device already because I feel like we just got the Pro, the Muez or whatever you say it, Pro, which was a brand new, which seemed like a really nice high-end phone. Uh, Meizu. Meizu, thank you, yeah. Uh, and so here we are just – I mean it feels like Mobile World Congress was just a couple of weeks ago and we're already are hearing possibly rumors about a new phone. Plus last week we talked about the OnePlus 3, getting a community around it to get a bunch of touch running on that, which is an extremely well-reviewed phone. So perhaps it is finally happening as the Ron Paul meme says. Speaking of mobile, let's talk about Ting. That's right. That's right. Go to linux.ting.com and learn more about Ting. Ting is a mobile service provider. My mobile service provider, Noah's mobile service provider. It's just mobile that makes sense. It's only pay for what you use mobile with no contract. Six dollars for the phone line and then just your usage on top of that. It's super straightforward, super, super crazy simple. No gimmicks, no, like, on Tuesdays you're going to get this, and over the weekends you can do this, and if you don't use this, well rolled into this, but only for this amount of time. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Or you want to you do hotspot or tethering, you have to call in and enable that. Like, that kind of stuff is the 90s. It's done. It's over with. And what's nice about Ting is they have two networks to pick from, CDMA and GSM, and all the devices are unlocked. So if you're like Crazy Noah and you're traveling to Tokyo, you can take your everyday driver phone, and just pop a new sim in there. It's no big deal. Or like sometimes, you know, like needles, Noah and I will swap phones. Because we're not hardcore junkies. We're hardcore phone nerds. And we swap phones. And it's just pop the sim in, pop the sim out. It's true. Like, we, and, and legitimately, when Noah travels to the JB1 studios, he usually brings a Ting Sim with him. True or not, Noah? Yeah,
1: you know, I travel. I travel everywhere with one. And I actually, I made this guide actually... Uh, I'll have to, I'll have to get it to you. I, I stole it from, uh, from the, uh, the, the Ting website, but I went through and I started identifying different, like ideal phone specifications. And which models oh, that you nice. can, yeah specific which models you can buy so that when people ask they say, Oh, well, I want the XYZ, I can say, Well, this is the specific model for that phone that you want right that would work with with Ting or whatever. And that that that's been really neat because if you buy one that has all of the 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 I think there are five bands that you're looking for for LTE, if you buy one of those phones with five with all five bands, it will work not only on Ting, but again, if you're roaming abroad into Europe or in Japan. So I just, you know, and you can buy a prepaid SIM in almost any country, stick it in, and then you have a local number. You act like a local.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's getting way more common to have all of the bands just built into the phones, especially the most recent phones. That's just sort of what the chipset brings now. So that's making Mm -hmm. it easier. But so Ting has a CDMA and GSM network. And so like with the Nexus devices, you could have either or. It depends on your phone and what its capabilities are. But if you understand that there's a thing called GSM and there's a thing called CDMA. You're pretty much good to go. Ting is going to really help you out. They have great customer service so you get to speak to a human being. They have a dashboard that makes managing all of this crazy easy. They have a store online where you can get things from feature phones that start at like 60, 50 bucks. Just I mean, imagine that. You need a backup line where you can just make phone calls and you only mm-hmm. pay for when you use it. Get a $50 feature phone and put it, you know, just put it on Ting. Uh, or go all the way up and get yourself a full-fledged computing device that's unlocked and you own it outright. I personally, as much as I can, I am advocating for the Nexus Ting combo or iPhone Ting combo. I think having been back on Android for a few weeks now since Linux Fest, and mm-hmm. uh, and sort of now getting appreciation for those monthly updates from Google, it makes Android to me a, a much more palatable, much more secure, much more uh, like feels. Much more in line with my priorities from, my, from a really important computing device, you know something that's getting security updates directly from the vendor, and Ting never gets in the way of that process. They don't have an agenda. They don't have to like, brand the update before it gets out there. So when you get a Nexus device from the Play Store and you bring it over to Ting, a couple of really amazing things happen. First of all, when you go to Linux.ting.com, your first month is going to probably be paid for, because average Ting bills like 23, 24 bucks for a line. So you'll, you go to linux.ting.com. You get your first month paid for. You bring the device on there. You pick GSM or CDMA, whatever's stronger in your area because the Nexus devices are doing all of it. Once you get it online, put it on Wi-Fi, get all your updates, get all your applications installed, and then just sit back and enjoy the savings. It's it's such a great combination. Even if you're from outside the U.S. and you're just visiting the states for a little while, yeah. bring go, go on eBay. Get a cheap GSM phone. Put it on the Ting network, and that can no, be man. your travel account. No, if they're, they're traveling from the
1: outside, outside the U.S. A bring, lot of phones abroad have yeah. two SIM slots.
0: Yeah, I know. I, yeah, just bring a phone. There's, it, And it's so simple because the, at the end of the day, you have the safety net of the Ting support where they are actual geeks that love this stuff and they're willing to engage with you. So you actually have really great support to go to. Check them out at linux.ting.com. Also, if you want to just support the show by visiting that page, go read their blog. They got a new post on 130 over-the-air TV stations coming to us cord cutters. I have not had a chance yet to read this, but man, does that sound like music to my ears. As someone who's probably not going to be getting cable, and it may be satellite during the election if things get crazy, but I just, for right now, I'm trying to do everything over the air in Lady Jupes. And uh, that's a blog post I'm going to read. So go to linux.ting.com. Hey, Noah, how about we get super geeky for a second on the show? You ready for this? Oh, that's great. I love getting super geeky on the air. I know you like yourself a VPN and that secure networking. So this is what I am looking forward to. It hasn't hit mainline kernel yet, but say goodbye soon to open VPN. Say goodbye to IPsec and say hello to the next generation secure network tunnel announced for Linux. Uh, Jason Donfield is the uh, developer, and it's called WireGuard. It's described as a next-generation secure network tunnel for the Linux kernel. It's built into kernel space, unlike OpenVPN, which runs in user space. And inherently, when you're dealing with all this crypto stuff and networking stuff, we're running in user space and then communicating with the kernel. kernel. There's just there's just an inherent disadvantage there. Uh, so Dunfield explained to a briefing to Feronics, uh last week about WireGuard. He says IPsec is overly complex and impossible to actually use in a secure manner, but it's the fastest thing out there for a VPN and secure tunneling. OpenVPN very popular, but it's super slow, and by virtue of being in user space, it contains a whole buggy SSL X59, X509 stack. He says I've started from scratch and written an extremely simple yet powerful cryptographically secure replacement in around 4,000 lines of code called WireGuard. It's much simpler than anything before it, with peers exchanging short curve 25, 519 public keys, just like in SSH. Secure network interfaces can be added and removed using the usual IP link and IP address tools. And from there, everything is easily taken care of by the kernel, and secure tunnels are made quite simple. Not only that, but the performance is in fact better than IPSec, which is basically a huge accomplishment. Now, this isn't brand new. He's been working on this for a while. It's been detailed at some kernel conferences, so it's not like it just showed up out of nowhere. It's using industry-standard cryptographic standards, and they have a brand-new website at WireGuard.io, which they say there it aims to be an uh, easy-to-configure-and-deploy as SSH is, but gives you a VPN connection made simply by exchanging very simple public keys, just like exchanging SSH keys, and all of it's transparently handled by WireGuard. Roaming between IP addresses, just like Mosh, is also supported. There's no need to manage connections, be concerned about state, manage daemons, or worry about what's under the hood. Very basic but powerful interface. This is a whole new way for doing secure networking under Linux. It's not in mainline kernel yet, but man, does this look super promising. Uh, No, I'll start with you. Uh, What are your thoughts about kind of just sort of wiping the slate clean and starting over with VPN technologies under Linux?
1: So anyone who has worked, especially in the commercial side of VPN, knows what a pain it is to get some stuff set up correctly. But part of me says that, like the, the last one I did, which is just a couple of months ago, it was literally as simple as I logged because the routers are supporting it now. I logged into the router. I checked a box. I specified the, the DHCP lease space that I wanted the VPN clients to log in with. I created credentials and I was done. And that is thanks to the fact that, that open is just like natively supported on like every major, you know, device now. So on some level, I feel like we have already gotten, you know, a long ways and we, we, we've made a lot of headway and, and, and things are actually pretty good now, though I do respect and understand the concept of, you know, it, it may not be as secure as it could be. And I got to tell you, Chris. Having fought with VPN for almost ten years in various different forms, if we could get to a point where it was as simple as SSH, where <laughs> I could install one package on the on the destination, <laughs> you know, server side, yeah, and one yeah. package on the client side, man, that's appealing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. And you know, I start picturing like uh, just essentially using these types of links and connections as standard by default. Uh, uh, here's the I, there is one major issue the internet is taking with this new technology, and I wonder if anyone in the mumble room feels this way. One of the big pushbacks coming in right now. Well, there's two, but the the big first one I want to talk about is what about putting something that is network accessible? That is essentially a core networking technology like this in kernel space. Because if there is an exploit against this thing, you've just owned the entire kernel. You're now running your exploit now runs with kernel level privileges. You're in.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Doesn't anybody in the mum room have any concerns about this? I thought for sure somebody would. I thought for sure somebody would because that is genuinely, I think, a legitimate concern. The other, I think, number two issue, and the OpenVPN developers have already raised this one is well, why not just spend this time making o- v- open VPN faster why can't we right. why can't we just res- take all this energy you guys have and put it in mm-hmm. open VPN what do you think about that noah yeah
1: i think that open so the 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 thing about uh, starting over Right. Is it, I think to some degree it suffers from the not invented here syndrome. I think it's, 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 you know, you, you get these people that say, well, I could do this better. I could restart from scratch. And I think that then you essentially we're reinventing the wheel on, on some level. On the other hand, though. Every time I've seen this happen in the past, where you take a, a technology, like look at System D for example, and I know there's this probably a, a sore subject to bring up, but you look at System D and look at what has happened, and we have take, taken something and completely redone it from scratch, and everyone kind of said the same thing: is oh, you're reinventing the wheel. There's no reason to do this. And I got to tell you, we have gone from you know minutes, minutes of boot time to seconds. And if you and if you don't, if you're not working in a field where you see that, then maybe it's not as clear to you. But to me, it, it's there. there's there is there should be no discussion about this. It was a it was a it's a clear win might have been a little quick on the draw, but it, it is definitely the direction we should be moving. And so if if a new VPN you know, protocol system integrated at the kernel level. If we have that same kind of success and that same kind of cleanliness and that same kind of, uh, you know,
0: increase in performance and security, I'm all for it. Okay. Well, here's his arguments. He says, you know, you just can't get the performance in user land applications. It's not that we don't want to support open VPN. It's that open VPN from a performance standpoint is just sort of doomed. Um, Mm -hmm. And he said, the developer. The other thing about WireGuard is this: is why it's four thousand lines of code. It's insanely simple. It's meant to be the the smallest attack surface as possible. I was on the fence about this until I read. Greg KH's post on Google+. Now, he's not a networking developer. Right? He, you know, he focuses on the Linux kernel. He focuses on the LTS branch and on the USB stack and lots of important subsystems. The networking subsystem, not one of them, but he writes, a new VPN protocol and implementation for Linux. It was announced last year at the kernel recipes in Paris. It's great to see a releasable state at this point. I recommend taking a look at it if you're into this type of stuff. Disclosure, I have reviewed various versions of the kernel code over the past few months. And it seems sane. But he says, no, I'm not a kernel networking developer. So Greg says, you know what? It looks like good, sane kernel code to me, which is pretty encouraging. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I I, definitely can't uh, disagree with his opinion on the topic, so.
5: I just have one thing. It's a network thing. It's about doing this type of, it's in the kernel level when we have to understand what it actually means. Being the kernel level also means that a potential flaw on it is yes. 10 times higher the danger. Uh, it's an immediate serious
0: issue. It's an if it's especially if it's remotely exploitable.
5: Exactly, exactly. And not only that, um, it's also something that if it's buggy for some reason, crashes the entire system too, because it's in the kernel. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So those things should be in mind. Yes, you're not gonna get the performance in the user space, but I think it's a good trade off. Maybe the performance for the security layer. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I think yeah, I pretty much agree with your assessment. It. Okay. All right, well, uh, this is CNN breaking news. We have great news today on the Unplugged program. Finally, after years of waiting, Linux users, our prayers have been answered. Universal application installation is now available thanks to a brand new standard called SubUser. That's right, offering portability, security, and maintainability for user application installations. On Linux. We have ourselves a brand new standard called subuser. You got your flat packs, go screw yourself. You got app images, good for you. You got snaps, you got I don't care. Cause now we got sub users. Are you excited, Noah? Come on. Subuser, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs>
1: So, you you know that XKCD comic uh, problem, we have 13 computers.
0: stand? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Special news correspondent uh, Wes is joining us in the field right now for reporting on this. Wes, you are at the launch event uh, for Subuser, correct? Yes, I am. And uh, this is truly the one universal installation solution for all Linux users, correct, Wes? Is that what you're learning on the scene?
6: Well, I think Docker was there already, and this just makes Docker
0: every place else. That's right. That's because this is application installation with Docker. So you take your Docker containers, and now you use them to distribute all your applications with sub-user. That is, uh, ooh! You like your do- you know what? And here's the crazy thing. This almost could work. Because there is just a lot of stink behind Docker containers. There's a Docker container for everything. It's unbelievable. So if you take that and you whittle it down a little bit and you make it as an application delivery platform, you are utilizing the built-in knowledge set of all of these people that have already composed Docker containers, which is a lot. And it could almost by default just be a way people end up distributing applications. Um, at, at what point, though, at what point do we just stop? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, I just don't know what to do with this anymore. It's too much. It's too much. Uh, my head kind of explodes. But there you go. It's sub-user, and you can read more about it. It's Docker and Python and a little bit of Git combined with a little bit of Docker.
4: I think – and to to complement this, we need to have some uh, universal window managers.
0: Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. Got to make sure that – you got to make sure we get a couple of those, though. Can't just have one.
1: You know it's amazing it's amazing how on one side of this argument I started out like two years ago. If you'd asked me two years ago what I thought about universal installers, I would have told you that it was the number one problem on Linux. And I don't care what anyone said. The the number one resistance I think that happens to Linux, the reason that people don't port software to Linux, the number one reason is is there is no universal, you know, app installer. It's you yeah. gotta figure out which distro and navigate that whole mess. And now like I'm, I've almost gone to the complete other side of it because I'm, I just, I'm not. I, I guess I'm not as convinced today that a universal installer could ever work in the Linux ecosystem. I, I, don't know if, I don't know if I believe anymore that, that that it's that it's a viable solution for 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 the very nature of Linux. Oh girl,
0: you crazy! I just, I, I almost don't know how, and I, I know I get so much crap for this, but I almost don't know how you can't see it. It's such. Like out of all of, I, I'd say it's the number one problem with Linux desktop.
1: I agree. I agree. But I don't think it's a solvable problem unless we all agree on one distro to use.
0: I disagree.
4: Well, the whole point of, the, of, of, of Snaps, for example, is to be on multiple distros. so It doesn't matter what distro you use as long as the top level application layer is not directly uh, intertwined into the distro.
1: But then don't you have a handicapped version of the application? Uh, potentially.
4: No. What do you mean?
1: Well so for example if you have if 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 the if the if the if the arch system for example works you know has is is not capable or works differently than ubuntu then isn't the isn't the snap package packaged for the lowest common denominator
4: No it 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 would all work the same it's just that the current the current reason the arch thing doesn't work as well as the ubuntu one is because the ubuntu one has been out for two months, and it has been developed for four months, and the Arch one has been out for about
0: well like four days. So I'll, I'll tell you what, I think, uh, here's what Colonel Linux is talking about, Rotten, is he's saying um, the application itself sort of has to assume the lowest common denominator when it comes into the library. So for example, when I installed the VLC snap on Fedora 24, I got a version of VLC that had really, really crappy fonts. Compared mm. to the rest of the Fedora 24 desktop, which this is one of the areas they they specifically worked on for this release. And so it seemed like that's probably a early an early problem that's going to get worked out. But right now, that VLC snap doesn't take advantage of the better fonts and better font rendering on my host system. That seems like a bit of a downside, don't you think?
3: Well, yeah, it'd be,
4: it'd be kind of annoying, but if if there was no one at all putting effort into like a shared library system for snaps that would suck but they're doing that so I'm okay with it
0: i think it's it's definitely less annoying than not having the application at all yeah that's true that's true and the o- the other thing and but they and, and, can also uh, income, I,
4: I, they could just include the font they want
0: yeah that's true yeah that's
6: true i wonder about user experience like uh, where app image to me feels like it's kind of the easiest from the like windows user download and run it uh, i wonder how much we'll see that pushed i think canonical could do it but I, it doesn't seem like it's at quite the same level yet. And that yeah. will probably determine a lot for the desktop user. It's yeah. not even yeah.
4: AppImage is not even that simple for the users. It's more simple than an EXE or a DMG in general because you you have to be able to do permissions. But you, if as a, a user of AppImage, you have to know that you have to do that. So you you, you have to ex, you have to give them information about that you have to you have to set the permissions so that it can execute. You also have to know how to do that in the first place. So there there is still yeah uh, a yeah. stepping stone that you have to go through for app images that doesn't make it the best whereas in in certain cases the 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 goal for snaps is to have just an installer that you would go to the you you'd go to the the Ubuntu software app or whatever they're calling it now and then you just install it and there you have it and it's a snap and you're done.
0: Wimby, I know True, you wanted you to try have to, to train people
4: to to go to that app. That's the thing. That is actually no, you could, you, could, you could go to the website and download the snap and it work the same way. Or
0: right, or if the website artist. could somehow um, initiate the software center's page. That would be nice too like yeah, a, like a like there.
4: an apt colon yeah, totally thing. Yep, Yeah, yeah,
0: Uh Wimby, I think you were about to try to jump in there during the crosstalk, so go ahead.
7: Yeah, I was was just going to say, on the the point of that VLC application, or rather Snap, um, because I've not seen it, but I I understand what you're describing. The first GUI application that I tried to make with the Snap had no fonts whatsoever. (laughs) The menus didn't render correctly, and PNGs didn't render correctly, and I fixed all of those problems, and it now looks like a themed Ubuntu Mate application again, Um, and that took um, some changes in uh, Snapcraft um, to support that, and or rather SnapD to support that, and uh, learning uh, how to do this stuff, and then that got abstracted away into the way you build snaps. So don't assume that all applications are going to look like that by default. Just take it that somebody has made a VLC snap of a pre-release version of VLC, and they may well still be finding their way with how to actually... That was
0: sort of my impression when I used it. And I I think that, you know, and when you see that represent itself in a couple of different ways, that's funny, people will jump on it. Um, Remember when LibreOffice shipped their first snap, and it was way bigger than it needed to be. People jumped all over that.
7: Yeah, and and that's another thing. You know, you you have um, uh, all the debug symbols in there by default at the moment, for example. And, uh, you know, unless you... There there are mechanisms to say, these are the only bits that I want in the SquashFS file system. This is the stuff that is the runtime and the executables, for example, and you can ignore all of these things. And the first few times you make a snap, you just include everything because you just want to get the thing to work. And then once you've got something that works and looks right, then you can start refining it and actually trimming it down.
0: You know, and just as an indication of how early days all this stuff is, uh, I ran into an issue during my Fedora 24 review where uh, I was trying to install GIMP and it just downloaded an empty repo folder into my home directory. It turns out that was a bug in Flatpak. I was hitting a bug and I didn't realize that. I thought I was just doing the commands wrong. Um, and I got a, I got a note back from my review as a bit of feedback saying, "Yeah, turns out bug. We fixed it now." Um, so it is super early days for all this stuff. And it's it's so what that when I what I guess what I'm trying to convey is not only is it early days for the back end implementation, like the store, what its source code is, how the packages are delivered, but it's also early days for all of the people that are packaging the software. And I feel like right now in terms of snaps, I feel like we're up against a wall that's about to break, and then a whole bunch of snaps are gonna come out, but there's not a whole a whole bunch at the moment that you could just jump on.
1: You know, for, for from a dumb user perspective, because that's that you know it, it was it was kind of a it was kind of an eye opening experience. I hadn't followed, you know, the snap packages and the flat pack and the app image a whole lot prior to obviously until we you know covered it on the show. But prior to that, I I knew that it existed, but I hadn't really played with it. And so my first foray into it was I went to download our app. Pick, which was the uh, that image burner that Rick had suggested and it was an app image and uh, had no idea how to use it. I just downloaded it on the site and double clicked on it and it installed. I was like, well, that's cool. Then I did it on like three other distros and then that really started to click with me. And when I went uh, to, to install my first snap package, I had no idea how to do that. And so I was Googling for snap packages, found one online, downloaded it from the website, tried to double click on it like I did with app image and that didn't work. And then I Googled around a little bit and found that you could do it from the command line. Were you line on Ubuntu being- or
0: what were you on? Fedora? Okay. That was Yeah, that was Ubuntu.
1: Yep. Okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, and and so and and so basically I guess the, all that to say that uh, if you are a person coming over from macOS or Windows, the software installation of AppImage functions exactly how you would expect it to and you acquire software exactly how you would expect it to. And because it's cross-distro I know you no longer have to worry about training users to search for, yeah. uh, you know, XYZ yeah. on Ubuntu uh, rather than XYZ uh, on Linux.
0: You know, look, uh, look, uh, no, look, uh, no updates. I feel like, uh, I feel like, uh, I feel like your criticism right there is, uh, it's temporary. I feel like, okay. uh, I feel like uh, the next, uh, the next, the next Ubuntu, say the next release even, will just, they just have to associate the snap files association with an application that can install. Okay, it. but every distro has to do that for that to work.
7: No. Hang on a minute. Okay. Noah, you you say that you downloaded an app image and you double clicked yep. on it and it just did stuff. It did not. Uh, yes, that is right. Yep. Mm-hmm. You you didn't have to make it executable.
1: Uh oh. Did I? Yeah.
7: Maybe I did. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. Maybe I did.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Because I tried. I tried, tried making this app image. executable and that didn't. That didn't double click though. No, you're right. Well, it's not to,
0: associated with anything.
7: I had to download it. I had to make it executable and then I could execute it. And yeah, you're I've, probably right.
1: See, that's that's the problem. I, and I felt, that's I
7: felt that it wasn't. So we, we looked at we looked at Etcher because Etcher's that you know disk uh, creation utility right. that runs on Windows, Mac, yep. and Linux. Yep, and that's what I'm talking considered about. Actually, rewriting all of our how to make a USB drive using Etcher so that every platform could use one tool. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. the process of actually installing Etcher on Linux is so alien to how mm-hmm. people would install things on Linux. What we're actually going to do is write the instructions for Windows and Mac to use Etcher and then use Gnome Discs for Linux. Because Isn't that... It's isn't more...
0: that now, can, can we just talk about that for a second?
7: Wow. That, you know, a distribution
0: uh, is in the position where it is easier to write how to get it set up under Mac and Windows... Than it is under Linux. That right there perfectly defines the problem we are trying to solve. We're not. I'm not arguing for the replacement of repositories. I'm not calling for the end of Deb's and RPMs. But that right there is so uh, such a wonderful illustration of the problem. It's that's amazing.
1: Well, but so I guess. So what would be the alternative that we allow by default for applications to to when you download off the app? Uh, internet well, to for them to run. No, fast up, forward,
0: it's, it's fast up. forward five years from now, and and let's just say flat pack snaps or app images have taken off. One of them is is so predominant that you can you can pretty confidently write a how to and say download this app image and you can almost know with absolute certainty that they've downloaded an app image before, and they know how to install it. Or if it's a snap, they know what that's about. And so now imagine what Wimpy's process would be. He'd have the same download page. He'd say, here's the instructions for Windows, here's the instructions for Mac, and if you want to do it under Linux, download the snap, and he could link to the most recent snap, or he could link to the uBrowse page or whatever it is, uApps page, and then it would just be double-click the snap and follow the instructions when it launches. It would literally be a less instruction set than it is for Windows, I mean, it's a fundamental shift in the friction, and it's a fundamental reduction in that friction for users to start with Matei. I mean, do you think I'm wrong, Wimpy, or do you think I'm right?
7: No, you are right. We're we're constantly trying to find ways to make um to lower the barriers to entry, and um for many reasons. Snaps and universal package installers solve a number of problems. And the thing is, is that you've talked about um, putting snaps on the vendor or, you know, author's website so people can download a snap and install it the same way that Windows users do. I feel that's a bit of a retrograde step because I think the central repository where you can uh, search for, find and install applications from one place is the superior mechanism but snaps support both paradigms you can have a snap store or many snap stores Mm -hmm. depending on you know if you've got an iot device or a nas you know and the nas vendor wants their own snap store but uh companies like viber for example could make snaps and have them download off their website so both paradigms are supported with snaps, and I think that's um, mm-hmm. that's a, a, a particularly useful useful use case.
1: Do you think it's going to be problematic though for users if sometimes you obtain it from a central software center and other yeah, times I you do. have to go to the?
7: I do, and that's why I I I would prefer to see that people um, embrace the Snap Store paradigm and we keep what we're used to and what mobile phone users and tablet users are used to mm-hmm. which is all of your applications are in a central repository
1: and frankly what macOS and Windows are going to right both have an application yeah, store well, and played, iOS and playing, Android playing yeah yeah so let me uh, so how about this is would there be a way for for app, for somebody to add if you know if the if the snap is on a website is would there be for somebody else to take it off their website and add it to the store. And then it, would the reverse be true? Would it be possible for somebody like me who really likes to have local copies of things to be able to download those those Snap packages and store them on my device?
7: Yeah. So yes. w- when I build a Snap package, for example, I build it locally on my computer and I end up with an architecture-specific Snap, so a- an AMD64 Snap. And the Snap is a SquashFS file system that encompasses the application and all of the Shared libraries and assets that that application needs to run. That snap file you can install by t- typing snap install path to snap.snap file. So you can download a snap and install it. If you wanted to download all of the snaps in the world and stick them on a USB hard drive and carry it around with you and install from those, you could do that.
4: And if you have the snap YAML file, the
0: snapcraft
7: YAML file, you can yeah, build Yeah, if your you've your got the YAML form. file, you can build it yourself. Hmm. Yeah. So, Daredevil, what
0: do you think about it being a centralized repository and that being with Canonical? Because don't you think then that means every single aspect of getting these snaps into the central repository has to be as easy and simple as possible? And I don't think we're there yet. What do you think?
5: What I think is... Essentially, I agree with Wimpy uh, and that I prefer the model to have a repository. And if we want to see the repository still to prevail as the way to install packages, what we have essentially to do is just make the process easier for third parties to come and put their package in. And once we do that, there's no excuse to why they're not deploying mm. through that mechanism and why they are distributing you know, through their website instead. Mm. And perhaps make it easy, uh, to make their website put something that, you know, like you do in Android, you do you, run a website, it detects that it's an application from the Play Store and opens the Play Store. You might want something that is similar to that, that goes and opens your software center and installs the app. So the website will not actually have a download, but actually something that opens yeah. the store and yeah. makes you install That's through what,
0: yeah. it. Uh, Rodden, I wanted to give you a chance to jump in and just, I was curious your thoughts about the process right now of getting into that central store.
4: Yeah, it's actually very easy. Like when people was talking about how he builds the snaps locally, you don't have to do that. Uh, you can actually just make the YAML file and then send it to the Launchpad will build it for you through the Snapcraft tool and create all the architectures of snaps that you want and you just push it to the store. And if you, and if you get... Uh, you on if you have a if you are a part of a project and you are like the official person you get the namespace of the official project if you're not you get for example telegram it's telegram dash the name of the guy who did it then so that way you can th- th- there's there's no one fighting over namespace so then to get into the store hmm. is very simple and as long as your stuff co- runs and when you know it doesn't break anything it's all good and you get it in there and then if you have let's say you see a bug and you want to fix it you just do it again through Launchpad, push it to the store, and then the user gets the access to it and gets the update.
0: Hmm. Like, yeah,
4: it, it it actually is.
0: So it sounds like the biggest inconvenience. Easier. Sounds like the biggest inconvenience is you have to have a Launchpad account.
7: Not uh, yeah. That maybe. That's that size of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well,
0: for, some, for
7: some, that's and, a deal breaker. Um, and good thing it's the, good thing
4: it's free and, and open source. The Launchpad is. So.
7: Yeah, and the. The Ubuntu Snap Store implementation is just a Snap Store implementation. I think others will sprout up. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I I want there only to be be one because then if there is more than one, there Mm -hmm. creates more availability issues. But if there was a structure, for example, like Ubuntu's store was like the core base that you could build on top of and have your own snaps, but if you don't have a Snap for a particular application and kind of is like a fallback, yeah, that
2: or, would be
0: fantastic. Or it could end up like repos where you could have multiple you, – you could have your local installation of Snap uh, pointed at multiple repos just like you can with Flatpak today. Could end, it could be like that too. It might not be hard-coded to a single story. Maybe you could have – you know let's say i'm let's say i'm ubuntu mate i could have uh, when when my users launch their version of the software center it could be looking at can all of canonical's snap store and a ubuntu mate snap store that maybe has uh, the the welcome screen in it and uh, maybe a, a menu launcher and a few other things that you know they've they've created that to ease the process and it maybe it may it's only four or five things just like today Antegros does integrros does a repo a priority, and you have Antigros's repo at the top, and then they have the regular main repos, and they they can pull from all the different sources, just like a lot of like like we see today with a lot of derivatives. Only this would be a snap version, and be, it just, it might not have support for it today, snap, and snap and local snapd and all that it might not have support for multiple stores today. But this is an open source project. I mean, in a year, it could it could do ten times what it does today.
4: Right. It, it has support for a store, like having your own custom store now, like, you know, so and it's only been like two weeks yeah. since that was even announced. Like they were doing the different distro stuff. So that's already been proving that they're going to do other things, but there's actually something that a lot of people aren't aware of is that when you have a, a snap in the store, you actually don't just have that snap and that branch. You have multiple branches. You have the stable branch, mm. the unstable branch, like the, Constant testing branch, so you can actually have like betas and all this, and it's all still one snap that you control. They just can, the user can select which branch they want to use. So if they want about- the late, absolute latest, they can get it.
1: What about licensing issues, like for, you know, Adobe Reader or uh, you know, uh, Adobe Flash or something like that? I, I guess more so. So more specifically, I guess here's my question. The, the concern I have about the whole repo idea is you're going to wind up with, I'm afraid that anyway, that you're going to wind up with some distros having certain repos and those repos not being added by default in, in other distros. And so what you wind up with is, again, certain packages available in one distro and, and, and not in another. Well, but they're, they're all so snaps.
0: They're all snaps. You can always just grab the snap.
1: Right, if you know where
0: to – Yeah, I, I you're guess, right, yeah. Here's what I think, though, about that. For when it comes to licensing and stuff like that, I don't know if there's a direct answer because, uh, for all we know, in six months, uh, Snap or Flatpak could have, a, have an option at install where it, it enables uh, user prompting to accept EULAs. Uh, and so that I'm not so worried about. But what, what, the, the point I think you're touching on is if something were to happen where you had multiple stores and you had, like the chat room's talking about, multiple people submit Telegram. How would you know mm-hmm. which Telegram is the one that's the most secure, most updated, right. most reliable? Uh, right. I think what you would see if that truly existed, and I think you're going to like this answer, is the market would respond by creating a directory like like yeah. GNOME Files and like the UAP browser that's already created. There, the open source community will step up and create a platform where you'll have everything indexed. You'll have comments. You'll have votes. You'll have just like the AUR oh, or God. just just like uh, GNOME Files. Right? It'll be the. You know so I don't use the
1: AR as much as you do, but you know, I, I I go back to the most effective way for me to research products nowadays is mm-hmm. I go to Amazon and, and sort by number of reviews. And if 10,000 people bought something and really liked it, I know that I can trust right. and buy right. that same product and probably have right. a good
0: experience. Right. If we could bring that to software, geez, man. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Exactly. I think the market, that's just what
3: happened.
0: Perfect for that. So Wimpy, is there something you want to jump in before we wrap up? Because I didn't plan to talk about this for that long, but I wanted to give you the last shout. I can't remember. <laughs> okay. No problem. No problem. You know what? I'll just say this. Uh, we should probably move on because right now as we record this, there is actually a news event happening and we, we're we like, I don't even know how long into the show and we haven't even mentioned it. If you get to the point where you want to host your own flat packs, your app images, or your own Snap store, digitalocean.com. Use the promo code D-O-Unplugged. Support this show and get a $10 credit. Man, DigitalOcean is great because it's all KVM. So the virtualizer, I think, I mean, just my opinion- The best virtualizing platform I have ever used. KVM is the bee's knees. They've stacked that on top of SSDs. Of course, it's all running on top of Linux. 40 gigabit e connections into the hypervisors, data centers all over the world, and literally the best interface they could have possibly built sitting on top of the shenanigans. I don't know how they do it. And the nice thing is, it's all HTML. And even if it was an, if they, like, if, if they had a native app that looked, that worked this good, I'd be like, man, they got a great desktop app and then they have a functional website. No, it's like, better than I would have ever expected even from a native app. It is extremely functional. You get HTML5 console access to your rigs. You can deploy SSH keys to multiple machines at a time. You can spin up applications like the entire freaking stack from everything from the, you know, the kernel of whatever distro you chose all the way up to the final crazy Ruby on Rails application you want to run or just the base system. They got data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, Germany, India. They're growing like crazy, and they've matched this great interface that I just freaking love with a super cool API. An API that's so straightforward and simple, and something they take seriously, that a a really great community has cropped up and built a ton of open source code around that. Speaking of community, they have some of the best documentation out there. Literally, even if you're not a DigitalOcean customer, it's still... One of the best resources out there. Check it out, because they take that very seriously, which means between the application stacks they have available, the base distros they have to choose from, and their documentation, experts and beginners can make super, super good use out of a DigitalOcean droplet. They also have hourly pricing available, and because you can spin up and destroy a rig in a matter of seconds, with snapshots you can restore and get right back to where you're at, it's really nice to take advantage of their hourly pricing. And when you use our promo code DOUNplugged, one word, lowercase, you get the $10 credit. That hourly pricing is going to last you forever. So if you want to experiment with something on a machine that has a crazy great internet connection, tons of CPU, you want to have multiple people bang on it, you want to put it in production for yourself, if you want something you can access between your work and your home and also on your mobile device and not have to mess around and fuss with your crappy router, DigitalOcean. Just use the promo code Unplugged. And if you ever get to a point where you're ready to put this thing in production, it'll work. It'll do it and they make it easy to expand the machines, too, especially now with the new block storage beta program. You know, right now, Jupiter Broadcasting is taking advantage of DigitalOcean's infrastructure like never before. It's so nice to know that when we just want to try a concept, we can mess around on DigitalOcean, we don't have to worry about the costs, we know we get great performance, and when we're ready to go into production. We have enterprise-grade features, like their API, like the snapshot capability, like the application stack deployments. And Chris now...
1: Go ahead. I was just gonna say you're slowly moving your studio up to the quote unquote cloud, It's just a cloud that you can control, so that you can get to it from
0: anywhere in your RV. I was I, just, I, I was just gonna say, and now with the new team features, uh, I'll just never have to worry about it and let Noah do everything. Oh, <laughs> DigitalOcean.com. Yeah, well, that's Rikai's got the post production work. Noah's got the server side work, and you know, also they make it nice. They like if you want to set something up for a client and transfer it to them, you can transfer droplets. It's a pretty great service. DigitalOcean.com. Just use the promo code Do Unplugged. It' a big thanks to DigitalOcean. So I was saying there's a news event going on right now. I got a little audio to get you in the mood. For those of you that didn't know, and I, I almost, I, 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 I considered making it, but I would have had to mess with the whole uh, road trip plans that I, I have right now, so I couldn't do it. But going on right now is Red Hat Summit, or as the Red Hat folks that I've been talking to call it, Summit. Summit is going on right now, and I got a little audio to put you in the mood. Ooh.
3: Now, no, you might. I always heard about it. You know, I'm kind of new to Red Hat. I've only been doing it for over a year now. My job thought it would be a great idea and a great experience for me to come to Red Hat Summit.
0: My excitement here is to learn about a lot of things that I heard this
8: morning. 12 plus new release announcements. I'm like, yes, uh, you know and I'm just looking forward to the next four days. I mean, there's so much going on around application development, containers, which is part of my world.
4: I think there's a, you know opportunity to figure
0: out what's going on all in one place. You have a lot of vendors at Summit who are in starting to embrace open source in new ways.
8: One of the things that we're really trying to talk about with customers is the fact that we have this cross-portfolio experience, including services, and it's not just product by product, and these solutions can really help them solve Specific problems All
0: right, I was excited I was stoked Until that Until that last Executive spoke there And then Then the entire thing Kind of lost me I don't Why? uh,
8: You didn't hear it? Did you? Customers is the fact that We have this Cross portfolio experience
0: Okay so one of the things We're trying to communicate To customers Is that we have this Cross part A cross portfolio experience Okay Yeah
8: Including services And it's not just Product by product
0: Including services And it's not just product by product
8: and these solutions can really help them solve specific problems
0: but these solutions can really help them solve specific problems i'm going to play it once in its entirety noah and then once it's done i want you to tell me what she just said okay
8: trying to talk about with customers is the fact that we have this cross portfolio experience including services and it's not just product by product and these solutions can really help them solve specific problems
1: I think you're just saying that the Red Hat Solutions stretch across a vast – So they, they partnered with, or they're they're working with Microsoft, and they're and they and they and are uh-huh. working very hard with all of the different problems that exist uh-huh. in the. IT. Here, uh-huh. And they have hired industry experts and have them okay. available to solve okay. those problems.
0: All right, so you, but, you, but you do they have derp learning?
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> All right, so, so uh,
0: yeah, okay, okay, okay. So that's what you think? All right, no, that was a good try. That was a good solid effort. We have good. <laughs> we got nice music. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I mean, I'm digging this piece overall. Wimpy, could you could you explain to me what she said?
7: Yeah, they've got um, derp words. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know uh, that wasn't helpful. Actually, that didn't yeah, help. Yeah, Chris, uh, you of all people should understand this. That
1: poor hey. woman. That poor woman uh-huh. is standing there. Is sta- she's standing there with her computer and she's working on a couple of things. And everyone is is like tapping her on the shoulder. And finally, this guy turns around. And he's like, "Hey, I'm John from the from the from the media marketing uh, department. And uh, we're going to shoot this thing about uh, we're interviewing people. So tell us about Red Hat." And she's and she told him she's like. I'm not really good on camera, I don't- You'll be fine, you'll be fine. I don't even really know what to- you, You'll be fine, here, we're gonna start rolling. Okay, uh, go. And then that's what came out.
0: That's definitely a possibility. That's definitely- That's def- totally what happened. I, I think- I think what I'm it marketing was- person. No, here's what I think it was, Noah. Picture it, okay? It's, it's two days before the floor opens. You finally just got all the banners up. The executives are arriving for their pictures. Whoa, who's getting aggressive in the mumble room? Daredevil, you were getting aggressive there in the mumble room. Everybody's arrived for their pictures- You haven't actually opened the doors yet, but from a corporate standpoint, you have decided what your core message about this entire event is. So you get your marketing team there with their A- with their DSLR camera, and you say, At Summit, who are starting to embrace open source in new ways.
8: One of the things that we're really trying to talk about with customers is the fact that we have this cross-portfolio experience, including services, and it's not just product by product, and these solutions can really help them solve specific problems.
0: What I love about it is she ends with, these solutions can help them solve specific problems. What, so what's so corporately wonderful about it is we can help you solve your specific problem after making the most vague possible generalized <laughs> statement we could ever come up with. that's what's so amazing about it. And I really respect Red Hat as a company, but when they actually outwardly communicate so they don't they don't actually allow all the cool people in the company to to brag and talk about all the neat stuff they're doing. Uh, and so when they communicate with their red hat voice, even their CEO who seems like a pretty great guy communicates in this style that feels like Microsoft at its clumsiest
1: yeah I don't I, I guess I don't know I guess the problem is you're you're dealing with a couple of things right? You're dealing with a you're dealing with the most litigious country in the entire world. You yeah, so no, that's such a be, that's such a tired no, it's Red Hat so excuse. True. It's I'm so, so true. Oh, when, you have, when you have a company please. that big that's worth that much money, yeah, they're yeah. walking around with a constant target on their butt.
0: Meanwhile, companies that are jillions of times larger have their top CEO, a top top people sitting down and talking to podcasters by anything the podcaster asks them. That's such a tired, tried excuse for all of the things that are wrong with Red Hat and Fedora. I'm just sick of it.
1: I just I guess I guess I would agree with you and you I know for a fact you've been there with me. I would agree with you if it wasn't for the fact that we've talked to those people and what they say on camera and what they're yeah. able to say on I think camera. It's
0: a, I don't think ridiculous. I think there's I think there is a culture problem at Red Hat. And I think the the employees absolutely fear all these legal things. I don't think I think they all are the biggest bunch of paranoid uh, people out there. I mean it is ridiculous. Mm. I, I
6: it's given their clientele, do you think it I mean is it is the community involvement or a better presence just not in their interest in the long term fiscal sense?
0: I think giving their clientele, it's expected this is how you communicate. So it's part of the reason they communicate this way.
1: yeah, that's that might be part of it. i I guess I guess I just every time i every time that we've had somebody on camera, it seems like they 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 follow this the this strict rudimentary procedure, and then you get them off camera, and they're geeks just like you and me. And that that just tells me that they have hired legal people that have specifically told them, "Hey, these are the things that you don't want. These are these are the approved things that you say because these are the things that we can guarantee." Right? Sure, I, that and, I, 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 and that I does think,
0: feel like that does feel like what they say. Why and so, why and, is it that the, no other companies like that? no other company we talk to no other company in the linux ecosystem has these risk same taker. concerns other people are worried about these particular issues but nobody is literally petrified the the, the employees from red hat are terrified of this particular issue nobody what, else is like that what's the downside none of them
5: is I'd claim that none of them is as big as red hat and that's one thing and they have to be risk takers if they want to be in the platform discussing when red hat uh, is discussing things you know what i though, will also claim that they mentioned solutions, which is, you know, keyword to we provide for everything, but without committing into any specifics. So yeah, you because, come with us, you uh, talk with yeah, us. Yeah.
8: What we're really trying to talk about with customers is the fact that we have this cross-portfolio experience, including services, and it's not just product by product. And these solutions can really help them solve specific problems.
0: You know, I've heard that 30 times and it still just doesn't make any sense. And well, it, well, I, you know, just, I, the, I guess it doesn't say? matter. It's just, it's just, a, it's just yeah, a point I, of how I, they I communicate. That's my, yeah, that's my main point.
4: They need some cross vocabulary solutions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe they <laughs> have just think which company pro- provides
5: products uh, and always advertises their products, and it's their competitor while they're providing solutions, and that will be more ple uh, more pleasant to their customers to yeah. hear. Yeah, yeah. Just, just think about that. Who's that? Usually, Canonical, for example. Yeah. Focus yeah. on their products.
0: It's their. What's the they downside have
1: these- yeah, of of saying something like that? Like, where where is that? Where is it? Where is it problematic?
0: Uh it sounds like disingenuous bullshit by people that don't actually even know the very products they're selling and which makes me have doubt in the people that run the company. Hmm. But because there's so a clear th- communication doubt, style isn't that doubt alleviated from the from the from from the uh from the people that do have the expertise? No, because they're not the ones making the decisions.
6: The people but making the, the decisions
0: ones... don't even know the product.
6: Right, and they're not listening to that spiel anyway. They don't care. The deals are made elsewhere, right? But I feel like the
1: entire culture at Red Hat is the is, is the idea that anyone in the company has the ability to offer input, and and there is no top down hierarchy. And that was enti- that was the entire purpose of Jim Whitehurst's book was that he thought he was going to go into this company and teach them how to run a company from the top down. And what it taught him was that that's not the way that a company is run.
0: Okay, not so much. Not I mean, so much. I just. That does sound.
4: That's the way pretty much every corporate company, you know, corporate entity speaks when they do any kind of press. Like, why? What hurts? What is hurting Red Hat in this case? Maybe it's because no one listens to what they say because they never say anything.
0: That is exactly it. And I don't really. I guess I wish we weren't dwelling on this because I'd rather move on. But my point is, is when you don't speak clearly, you don't connect to the to the Linux audience. If you have an audience in the open source, this is this is a summit for technical people. Okay, this is not a marketing event. This isn't CES. This isn't the cons- this isn't something for consumers. This is at the Red Hat Summit for people who are sysadmins and people that make their livings on Red Hat systems, right? So, I think I want to be clear. This is an introduction to why you, as a technical person, should come to the summit. That was posted on the Red Hat YouTube channel.
1: I guess I guess that wasn't my impression of of, uh, of Red Hat Summit. I thought it was for more like high level, uh, you know, like. Uh like uh you
0: know a, a oh, there's, CTO. Absolute, no, there's absolutely then there's there's all kinds of yeah there's people vars there and all kinds of stuff and another peop, another group of people there is microsoft uh and they made some huge annou- announcements at Red Hat Summit which i think is sort of a big news story kind of in itself is that microsoft is making these announcements at a red hat summit uh, the company announced the general availability of .net core and asp.net core 1.0 the microsoft announcement uh is kind of a big deal at red hat summit and one of the motivations in open sourcing .net is they really want to collaborate more with Red Hat and Red Hat has a couple of web pages dedicated on their website now to making Red Hat the premier .net platform. Uh, the .net Foundation will be the steward of overall .net development and Red Hat just joined that foundation. So that's kind of a big deal. That's one of the, that's an example of some of the folks that are at uh, the summit.
6: And it's really Microsoft kind of delivering on this this promise of opening .NET and getting it running on Linux,
0: right? Yeah. Well, they seem to have some serious motivation because they announced that nearly one in three Azure virtual machines are now running Linux. Microsoft is uh, sort of seeing a huge growth because just the same time last year, they said one in four. So now they've gone in a year, at least according to Rosinovich, who runs uh, Azure, uh, it says Microsoft's gone from one in four of its Azure virtual machines to one in three, and... Uh, the other the other uh, two-thirds are just Azure customers running Windows servers and virtual machines. So they're, they're seeing a big uptick for Linux at Azure. And, you know, it's one of the reasons Linux Academy has launched Azure Training is it's just big over there. So, yeah, that's a big, I don't know, guys. To me, that seems like... Uh,
6: Seems like the-, the Microsoft stuff changes how I think about it a little bit. Like I wouldn't previously like if I was going to make a project I wasn't going to start it on .net and maybe java if I want like a nice object oriented garbage collected etc. But if mm-hmm. they're going to have first class linux support and you know really stand behind like that then I mean they don't they make some good software. They have a lot of talented engineers there. If they're really down with the openness then maybe it's something to be worthwhile.
1: So I just yeah. looked at the registration it's 1600 bucks uh, for the for the full pass uh, to go there. So it uh, and to me this seems like a this seems like the OSCON yes, and the exactly. Linuxcon yep. of conferences except it based more on Linux and so in, in that regard I don't know that I don't know that highly technical down to earth, you know, unfiltered, you know, technical talk is is necessarily
0: the most appropriate in a marketing video. Dude, you were really just all in with Red Hat.
1: Well, I just, I just, I just, I, I really am. I, you know, I, I'm not. I guess I'm just so, not. You're your telling
0: party. me. You're telling me. I mean, I, I feel like this is sort of almost like it doesn't even need explaining. But uh, what are what are the number? Who are the number one attendees of OSCON? You know, we've talked to them. Uh,
1: a lot they, of a lot of big business people that could care less about no. The those life.
0: are the VARS. Those are the people at the booths. The attendees are are sysadmins and dev guys who are sent there by their company because their company's paying for the ticket. That's the people There's walking a, around the floor. Those are the people attending the talks. That's I mean, come on. Those are the people filling up those rooms, listening to the talks.
1: I, 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 I guess, I, I guess I don't, I guess you're right there. I mean, there, there's definitely a large majority of those, but there's also a, a healthy, there's also a healthy majority of people that are, you know, that are, that are just, you know, decision makers, just, you know, executive types that are there to learn about their technology too. They're not actually the ones implementing that stuff, the low level developer kind of people. Uh, but I, you're right. I mean, we walked into that. There's a whole group of people that were, that we talked to at, was it OSCON I think? And all of them, uh, you know, I think, the, I think the funnier system. thing is that you're bringing it back up after we moved on. <laughs> well, I just, there, I, just, I, was, I just I went and looked at their website. and I was like, all right, well, let's get <laughs> into a little bit. And I'm looking at their keynote speakers, and I'm looking. There's a guy from Target. There's a guy from uh from from uh, Intel. There's a guy from Dell. It just it it very much feels like a very corporatey conference, and it seems like corporatey speak is appropriate there.
0: So, what do you think about so- what do you think about uh, Red Hat Enterprise being the premier platform to build .NET on a proven and trusted enterprise. Linux Linux. .NET on Red Hat Enterprise Linux get started right now if you go to developers.redhat.com/.net what are you are you excited Noah?
1: I am excited that a company like Microsoft is going to have the incredible influence of Red Hat over them to help them push them in the right direction
0: uh well uh, that's a very political way to say that that is very nice very nice um are, something are you rub
6: off.
0: are you okay if we move on or do we or do we <laughs> If we gotta hug it out. If we gotta hug it out, man, no, I going to no, hug it out good. with
1: you. No, we're good. Because I mean, you know, I know,
0: it. I know you don't like it when we talk bad about your Red Hat.
1: No, no, no it's okay. Just they, they Red Hat is why I'm on Linux is because they made such an amazing product.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of running Linux, I have been running Linux Mint 18, and I got to tell you. It's not so bad. Uh, by the time you're probably getting this down, uh, listen. If you're a download audience member, Linux Eight, Linux Mint Eighteen, Cinnamon and Mate editions will likely be released. Softpedia noticed it a little earlier, thanks to a tipster. They have links to the ISO downloads, which are in our show notes. Uh, and this is as of uh, June twenty eighth. Um, now, this is the uh, this is the new version. After a lot of talk about X apps and all of that kind of stuff. It has the new of Cinnamon 3.0 goodness in it that probably a lot of you have been anticipating if you're a Cinnamon user. And this release is going to be supported until 2021. So this is something that'll be around for a while. In fact, uh, it'll be the base of future releases until 2018. So, like I was mentioning, this has the new X apps in it, which I had a chance to try out a little bit. It has high DPI support, um, well, at least much improved high DPI support. Um, it has the uh, it has the brand new um, info screen when you launch the update manager for the first time. That gives you a little bit more clarification about the different up upgrade options. What is there? Is somebody like there is somebody there is somebody going on with the jacks on the back? I don't know what's going on out there. Uh, and uh, it's got a. Uh, I uh, the new theme that is uh, based on Arc and the Mocha icon theme, uh, the Mint Y theme, which uh, actually mm, when you put it in dark mode looks uh, looks pretty nice. It looks uh, pretty nice. So this is the new uh, Mint eighteen sort of at a very high level. I've only been using it for like um, three hours, so I only have very very first impressions. I did hit a few bumps, so I want to give you guys a few warnings and things like that. Anybody in the mumble room had a chance to try any of the betas of Mint 18 or been looking at it as the release has been getting closer?
7: I've been doing competitor research, yes. Oh, really? And what <laughs> has what your uh, reconnaissance uh, shown you? Uh, it's Linux Mint. <laughs> <laughs> Same stuff, but newer. So, um, that was sort
0: of my impression, too, and I was actually kind of hoping you would have more because I didn't have much
7: that's kind of all I got. Sorry for stealing your wind. Yeah, you
0: did. And my wind was not much. I had very little wind, uh, which well, is I not think normal right for now,
6: me. I think right now, like what we were talking about, at least when we are talking about like 17, 17.1, et cetera, I think we kind of know what Linux Mint is and where they really shined in the past was on some of that polish and integration. And it's kind of hard to assess that this close after release, right? So maybe sure. in a week or two, we can see really, are they excelling at what they're trying to do or not?
0: Yeah, I, I actually think wait a week or two would be good advice, because uh, so I decided to put this on the Librem, which is, uh, as you guys are probably well aware, a laptop built to run Linux. No, did you know that? <laughs> what are you laughing about? It's a laptop built to run Linux. What's the problem? What's undoubtedly about to leave your mouth? <laughs> so uh, the Linux Mint uh, first pass on the install uh, wouldn't work. Uh, it, it warned me about some UEFI issue, uh, basically that I had another OS on there, and that uh, yeah, if some shenanigans were to occur with a, with a biosimulation that I uh, may not be able to boot into their OSs, to which I said the entire reason I'm installing Mint is to not boot into those other OSs. So go ahead and uh, nuke and pave. All right, that's so It's problem solved. <gasps> oh no! What?
1: You didn't switch the hard drive, did you? No. Okay, so we just blew away our OBS Oh, okay. Yeah, anyway, yeah, sorry. yeah, sorry,
0: sorry yeah, And and I realized that, and I realized it doesn't boot. It's just, so it doesn't boot at all. So that's good. So that's sweet. And then I did manage to get it to boot, but uh, I don't know why. But my Wi-Fi is not working, and I haven't. And that's kind of so I just ended up using Ethernet uh, USB adapter to play around because I didn't have time to troubleshoot the Wi-Fi at the moment. I did notice the settings control panel is also a little cleaned up, and there's uh, there's the you know. They're the Overall, uh, the new theme and all that, and the new version of uh, Cinnamon is really nice. It's a Can really disable nice desktop. to click yet? So I tried to figure that out for you, because I thought you might ask me that, and they've yeah. removed the mouse and trackpad control panel oh, applet from the settings thing. Good, now you might, good, good, some good. stuff that's you great. can still search for. Like, so for example, if you wanted to search for uh, proprietary drivers, you don't, you no longer can find like the drivers or software sources entry in the settings. But if you search for it in your mint menu, it will come up.
1: Ah, that's good. That, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad to hear that.
0: So yeah, it looks See, like- See, I was going to ask if we can enable touch to click. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know, I know, no, not Noah. No, not Noah.
6: I hate apps to click. I, I don't just, and some I don't of mean us like- click during just, like, the show, Noah. Quietly yeah, click
1: man. here's your here, the, the thing is I actually not only I don't just like kind of dislike it I actively like I can't stand it I can't stand I can't even use a computer if it has taps
0: he to He gets dog. super grumpy Wes and then if it's like one in the morning he gets like all diva about it It's bad. It's, it's real bad. We don't and, want that and you can ask Rekai my son Dylan was over here at the house last night at the studio and uh, he was going on a rant about trackpads. And then him and Rikai started labeling me as a trackpad as a trackpad supporter. As a tra- Yikes! I know it got it started getting heated in my own studio over trackpads. So I you know, and I'm just I'm just a trackpad indifference. That's all. I don't like them, but I don't dislike them that much. And I exactly. started I started taking a lot of trackpad heat. So Noah, you are you are leading a revolution. You know who else is leading a revolution? That'd be Red Hat in their communication
8: one of the things that we're really trying to talk about with customers is the fact that we have this cross-portfolio experience including uh-huh. services yeah. and it's not just product by product and right. the solutions can really help them solve yeah. specific problems yeah, Chris? yeah. Chris, uh
1: track bad works under fedora just saying
0: oh good yeah yeah the new lib input huh yeah that is yeah. nice that yeah, is I, I can go
1: ahead and disable taptic lake it's it's fantastic
0: you know the first time we used the new fedora 24 there was like 20 seconds where the mouse felt really weird and then... So, uh, yeah, go ahead.
4: Are you, looking for, are you looking for cross-cursor solutions? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, could you have any specifics? Because uh, I wonder if you don't have it from any specific division, maybe as a service. Uh, all right, so this is... yeah. Can't you tell this is my last lump for a week? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> all right before we get into uh, these desktop killers that uh, Wimpy and I have been drooling over, and uh, I think, uh, Noah, you're perfectly uh, suited as an Aurex Pro owner and as somebody who also has the 13-inch side of this, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about... Um, is Linux technically dead on the desktop, not because of Linux itself, but because just statistically speaking, in 10 years, five years, is, is the desktop really going to be necessary? We have a couple of new products out in the market that are just unbelievably powerful, and they're portable. I, I can't even, as somebody who works in video production, I can't even believe I'm about to ask this question, but realistically, I got to look at the specs, I got to look at the sales stats, and I got to ask the question. So before we go there, let's go somewhere nice. Let's go to this new, oh, there it is, there's the, we just on time, there's that weed whacker. Good. (laughs) This is, uh, we're, we've added that weed whacker in post, we sweeten up the Linux Academy spot. We wanted to make sure, you know what else, and then we add a few other things, like we brought in Bill Hammer from, or Himmer, from uh, Fox News, (laughs) see? (laughs) There's Bill, so that's nice, and uh, Megan Kelly's here too to help us. OMG, OMG, OMG. I don't know why. I don't know why, but we also have a little background music for Linux Academy. That's right, go over to linuxacademy.com unplugged friends, and look at that new site. Oh, look at that site. Oh, friends. Look at that thing. they They, I tell you what, they ain't stopping over at Linux Academy. They're adding new content all the time. They've expanded their staff to make sure the old stuff stays relevant. It's Linux enthusiasts, trainers, developers. Educators, they've came together, they created the Linux Academy platform. And you can get started at linuxacademy.com/ unplug. you get a great discount. They have hands-on labs, so you get to work with this stuff, instructor mentoring when you need to talk to humans. video courses with self-paced in-depth courses where you get to download, comprehensive study guide. The courseware automatically adjusts to the distribution you want to use. Learning plans, learning paths, availability planners, All of these things help you structure a learning plan when you don't have a lot of time. So if you get busy, going on a road trip, those kinds of things, you're going to Tokyo, (laughs) Linux Academy's got your back. I like that too for the, this is like when you're just, you only got an hour. They got nuggets, deep dives. They have iOS and Android applications. They have note cards that can be forked to help you study. And they have a super active community packed full of Jupyter Broadcasting members.
1: Or if you have 13 hours of free Wi-Fi on an airplane over to Tokyo, then uh, you could continue to learn while lounging about
0: on an airplane. I like that in business class too. At that, you swat right. son of a gun. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Getting your lo- getting your knowledge on it. LinuxAcademy.com/unplug. Go check them out. They're growing like crazy. It's a really great platform, committed to expanding Linux. All of the technologies, Linux core technologies, and also the technologies built. On top of Linux Academy. Go there now, because time, my friends, is running out. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program. And thank you to that weed whacker for adding a little bit of extra context to that spot. A little extra buzz. Yeah, you know, a little bit of layers, a little bit of flavor. So uh, there's this guy named Martin Wimpress. Uh, I don't know who he is, but uh, he's got a lot of nerve teasing me like this. This son of a gun over here posted: that Entroware will soon be announcing a new laptop that he had the privilege of naming, the Entroware Athena. Well, Wimpy, that sounds pretty cool. Tell me about the process of naming a computer
7: and maybe a little bit of backstory here about the Athena and then the big reveal, if you will. Okay, so I obviously have a relationship with Entroware. Um, and I've known that they've been working on this computer for some months now. And as it was getting close, it had like a code name, uh, and we were exchanging details using the code name. And, uh, and then they sort of said, Oh, we're going to call it this. And I was like, Oh, okay. I said, Oh, uh, oh we're thinking of calling it this. And I was like, Oh, I, I'd like uh, coming up with a name. So I came up with the, the name Athena, which they liked. So it's the Entraware Athena.
0: That is pretty, and Athena, is there any special
7: revelance or uh, connection to the name? Well, um, all of their machines are named after Greek gods and goddesses. Uh Um, And I like the classics, and Athena, I think, is the the, uh, most interesting uh, of the goddesses. So she's the goddess of war and peace and wisdom, and craft, and uh, all sorts of things. So she's uh, she's uh, got more attributes than any of the others.
0: So uh, this is a pretty well-specced machine. And depending on your different options, it could be a powerhouse. Now, I, I happened to, a little birdie told me that you may have ended up purchasing one of these Athenas. So, uh, you must have had it for at least a bit, Wimpy. How is it how is the machine? Why did you decide to purchase it? What are your experiences like? Tell us all about it.
7: So, I've sold every computer I own in order in order to make some money to buy this. So, once I knew this was on its way, I've been eBaying my com- my computers and um uh i've also i don't know if you remember a few weeks ago there was a sharp uptick in uh the bitcoin price it went up about 20 percent. <laughs> oh yeah i did about, notice that as a matter of fact yeah yeah, yeah. so i i uh, i cashed out some I coins I love, between you <laughs> make... and i we're playing
0: the bitcoin market for our hardware
7: <laughs> yeah to uh to uh sort of cover the balance so i uh i've gone full full metal intro wear athena so uh The one I have has got the uh, Skylake i7-6820HK, which is a quad core and that can push out uh, at turbo 3.6 gigahertz, Um, 64 gigs of DDR4 RAM. All right. Um, I've uh, I've only installed three of the hard drives at the moment, so I've got three SSDs in there at the moment, Uh, a 256 drive, which is boot and two uh, one-terabyte drives. No! Uh, (laughs) And I'll be be adding another one. And and the reason for the two one-terabyte drives, one is for uh, the home partition, and then I also create myself a second logon that's just called Steam, and I mount that second drive on slash home slash Steam so that all of the games sit in there, and then uh, as... As I reinstall and what have you, I don't have to download all of yeah, my that's Steam nice. stuff.
0: Oh, that's again. a really smart yeah. idea. I put mine all on a drive called slash big and that's just like a pool of drives. So That's a clever yeah. name. Hey, speaking of names, uh, uh Wimpy, I have I have but one,
1: uh, one question for you. Did you consider naming the laptop Laptop McLappy face
7: No, I didn't. I I spoke about this on the Ubuntu podcast and they all pointed out I missed the obvious thing is that I should have called it the Introware Martin but uh, nobody <laughs> <laughs> nobody I, uh, right I don't now. think anyone Introware would, would have would have gone for that yeah <laughs> yeah so um this has got the it's got uh, Intel Iris 530 pro graphics in it and it's also got an Nvidia GTX 980m in it as well um so with optimus switching oh and, and is that working ut- yeah uh, well um it's you have to log out and log in so i i it, it doesn't do diane on the fly switching i i imagine if i messed about with bumblebee i could get that to go but i usually i'm using the intel graphics the only time i use the nvidia graphics is if i want to do uh some game playing or uh i've just started recently experimenting with the nv stuff those tend to be specific work cases and I'm quite happy to log out and log back in to handle that. But I wrote a utility for, for Mate um, or rather forked a utility and extended it a little bit that um, sits in the tray and it shows you which you're using and you can just toggle oh. and then uh, log out, log in.
0: Wow. That is quite the machine. That's a multi-year machine. I can tell you somebody who's bought some workstation killers before.
7: Yeah. Any
1: chance you're yeah, going to be Sorry, any chances are going to be available in the US at some point?
7: Uh there are no immediate plans for EntroWare to ship in the US as far as I'm aware. Now but is this I is I do know. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I do know. Despite despite the uh politics in the UK uh last week, I do know EntroWare are very close to launching in some European countries.
0: This seems this seems very similar too to the Oryx Pro from System seventy six. So oh, does it? Yeah, so Noah you may already have something very similar to this rig. Uh yeah, no, I I figured that the I figured the ODM, you know, manufacturers probably the
1: same, but it just there are the, small differences of course across them because they're both Building them, assembling them separately and making it. Right. And the other thing is is in and in, in Wimpy and I had talked about this a little bit, is that you know, various little components inside are are sometimes different and that leads to drastically different yeah, user it experiences. Does. Yeah,
0: yeah, it does.
7: Yeah, and this also you can get with Ubuntu Mate from uh, introware, which is kind of nice. Yes, it uh, it arrived pre installed with Ubuntu Mate sixteen oh four. Yeah. Have you in ex- fact, ha-
0: have you what? experimented with battery life much?
7: Uh, no, no, I I haven't plugged it into the main since I received it. So um I've been playing with it on and off during the day. I've probably, well, I don't know how long we've been sat here this evening. So it, it's done several hours and oh, yeah. It's about half halfway exhausted at the moment.
0: Well, cool. congratulations! So you know now. Kind of, so this is where I started thinking about this. On the high end, you have these Athenas, Bonobos, Oryx Pros—these real desktop killers. They're they're not super portable, but they can get you a few hours. They can move. You, they can move you between your different work spots. And then on the other end, you now have very efficient performance and capabilities from something like the Nux Skull Canyon. So compare and contrast those two machines for me, Wimpy. Do you think? Uh, When you look at the two spectrums there, is there less and less of a role for you with a traditional desktop tower that you assemble and you put together or you buy pre-built? Where's the tower fitting in?
7: Uh, Well, the the tower computer that I bought in 2008 is one of the boxes that I've sold in order to make the funds available to buy this computer. So that that computer back in the day in 2008 was a dual quad-core Xeon with 32 gigs of RAM. Uh, and it had two Nvidia something or others in it at the time, um, so that was a fairly stonking machine when I bought that, and that just about expired. Into, it was still worked, but it was it was you know breathless um, doing gaming, for hmm. example. So I've sold that, and it was massive, and it had a seven hundred and fifty watt power supply. Um, and the by comparison, the Skull Canyon NUC um, is about three times faster than that quad-core xeon from 2008 wow. in terms of cpu performance and this uh, this uh, box had an nvidia when i sold it had um an nvidia 680 in it and the skull canyon nuc with its iris pro 540 could outperform it um on 3d as well you know for gaming and what have you you
0: know isn't that, a, so, isn't that something
7: so i'm using nucs so i bought a nuc back in november Which I'm very happy with, and I've still got. And the only reason I got the Skull Canyon NUC is because I'm about to replace my Plex server, and I thought I'd buy a NUC to be the Plex server, and I'd plug external drives into it over USB 3. Okay. Um, Because I'm trying to find smaller form factor, lower power um, solutions. And then I thought, huh, well, I've got this NUC, and it's really beefy. And then I saw the Skull Canyon was coming along. So what I've done is I've bought the Skull Canyon to become my new desktop workstation. And my old NUC, which is only six months old, is going to become the Plex server. Oh, nice! Um, but the reason I like the NUCs is they're so small. Um, I've now mounted my Skull Canyon NUC onto the back of my monitor. So everything's now behind the screen. And because I, I've got hubs and stuff built into the screen, you know, it it's just tidy. You know, I I had this massive sort of 40 kilo Mm -hmm. uh, Dell precision workstation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's got
0: bricks in it. Yeah.
7: And, and now it's this tiny little device and uh, it's, it's great. Uh, So I really like the Nux. They're great workstations. And I've, the one laptop I've kept is my Apollo. So I still have my Apollo Mm. and that's my lightweight. I'm going out. uh, So uh, those are people that know me, that, that sort of see me in, in real life. Uh, I have a habit of going to do coding in the pub.
3: Um, it's one of my pastimes.
7: So I take myself away for sort of a couple of days, and I go and camp out in a in a pub and just sort of have a one man sprint. Um, and that that Apollo is the computer that comes with me. And it's great for a one-day, you know, you can go anywhere, you know the battery's going to last, you can get stuff done, it's lightweight, it's easy to carry. But when I go away for a bit longer and I'm going to probably work on different things, I want something a bit more powerful. One of the reasons that I've got this machine is because I run lots of virtual machines. So I've got the disk space for that now and I've got the RAM and the CPU for it. Yeah. We were talking about snaps earlier when you build snap packages on your own machine, you can now do that by um, building them inside uh, LXD containers. So each build is isolated and clean. Nice. But you can also build simultaneous snaps, (laughs) different snaps simultaneously. So if you're working on several projects, you could actually have three or four snaps building. So another reason for this machine is that I can He can absorb that workload, yeah.
0: Yeah, all the cores, cool, whippy. Well, congratulations, and you know, I, as somebody who recently just got a semi-upgraded desktop here in the studio, uh, I I feel like desktops aren't going away for me for a long time. I want capture cards, I want multiple drives, cooling. But I think, and I would be curious, really, to get the audience's reaction to this is if we remove ourselves from the equation and we, you know, we just like if you're looking at a chart and we just chop off our our percentage how many people realistically that are buying computers say from Best Buy or going into Costco are really going to want desktop towers for much longer it seems like that's a dying breed just and it's not to be the, not to be the uh, not to use the Steve Jobs analogy here but it really does seem like cars versus trucks there's going to be a lot less people driving trucks um and i don't think they're going away but to that end I think one of the hazards of it becoming a, a smaller and smaller market is the components are becoming crappier and crappier. Yeah. And when you build, you know, when you buy when you're trying to build multiple machines and you're buying all the parts, most of the parts are bad. It's it's becoming more and more of a commodity or I'm sorry um a niche market and the parts are becoming more commoditized and the val- and the um quality is going down. For for the uh, enthusiast market. And that's sort of the downside of it all. So that's why I think when you have companies like Entraware and companies like System76 and you have Dells out there that are shipping Linux rigs, it's nice to have a good set of answers now for pre-built machines where they're being the front line for that kind of problems. Uh, but there are still options for the rest of us. So my question to the audience is, realistically, what's your over-under, what's your long shot on how much we have less left on desktop computing for average people? LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. that's where you go to leave your thoughts. I won't be here next week, but Mr. Noah will. And uh, they have plenty of good things planned for you. So if you'd like to help them put together a great show, you can submit topics to LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. Vote them up and comment on them there. You can leave feedback at com slash contact. Don't forget to join us live over at TV. We do the show live. Well, I, I don't I assume you guys are doing it live at the regular time, Noah, but if you're not, Broadcasting. We're doing it at two in the morning. Two in the morning. Two in yeah. the morning. Great idea. Great idea. Best
6: time. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. If that. There's if Somebody that, that shows up at two
0: in the morning. So. <laughs> no. I'm and we apologize totally already. Kidding. Check the calendar. Jupiterbroadcasting.com/calendar. Otherwise, it's out for download later on in the week. And don't forget your stickers at Jupiterbroadcasting.com/stickers. And I'll see you back here in two weeks. There we go. There we go. There we go. Is this that, a show? Show? that was it with no music. That was it. And we're not doing the Wes, You missed, but we're not doing the music live anymore for a little bit. Okay. Which is hard for me. It's hard for That's me. That's weird. Why? I,
1: I tried to convince him, Wes. I was telling him if he just put the theme song in Telegram, then he could play it to himself Sure. With
0: an earphone. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That, that makes what? total oh, sense. Oh, yeah. I that would like sense. that too. JBTitles.com. See? Here. I'll show you, Wes. I'll tell you why. JBTitles.com. JBTitles.com. Everybody go boat. Uh, so here's the thing, Wes, as Noah would say, is uh, now Noah, you won't be able to hear this because I'm playing this on the computer that you're connected to. Academy. Oh, okay. So uh, prepare yourself for silence, Noah. I apologize okay. about that, but All right. see, this is uh, going back to 150, right? Uh, so here we are, Wes. This is you and me, Kamat, about a Kickstarter, $5,000. Okay. So they're 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 scratching some itch, but it's yeah, it's essentially a read-only live GNOME desktop with a decent GNOME can theme. Hear that. Yeah, I mean it doesn't look. You bad. can hear it. <sighs> You know how it you, it,
6: it, why yeah. is it a keyboard as well?
0: It, well because then it's the tamper-proof device yeah. where it, it freaks out That's when it gets broken. Yeah, you, you know what, guys, this is what it tells us. It doesn't matter about the technical. All right, so here we're about to start the intro music. Now we didn't hear this live, Wes, during the show, but in post, right. it's obvious. Here it comes. Right. Right. What it does tell you is that we are in the wrong business. This is Linux Unplugged, episode one hundred and fifty, for June twenty-first, oh, two thousand and sixteen. Mean. Yeah, it sounds horrible. That's rough. Yeah, so we're just going to play it uh, in post, uh, and then there will be no processing of it. So, you know, okay. I think what it is when we try to level out all the different mumble levels, I think it just butchered the uh, Muzak. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, JBtitles.com. Let's go, Boat. Universal package paradigms, not just a packaging solution, snap it, packet, ship it. Can we do three weeks of packaging? I don't know if we can, guys. Universal Divide. That's not bad. People
6: love packaging. Oh dude, they we just love it. love it.
0: Noah is number 1 Entroware Pub Laptop going full Entroware the Red Hat Summit.
4: Cross Packaging Solutions.
0: I think uh, I think uh, I think I owe Noah an apology cuz I upset it is, I upset him when I talked bad about his bay. I am sorry Noah. I didn't mean to make you upset. Uh, my pause. here's the here's the thing. You just you,
1: you you said something incorrect and I and I corrected you. It's all right. <laughs>
0: You have the right goods. to be incorrect. This is America. Okay. All right. Good. 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 Yeah. All right. So that's it. That's all it was. Fuck the EU. What? Don't say yeah. that. Uh, I say balderdash. JBtitles.com. JBtitles.com. I experienced life in freedom. I don't know about universal package paradigms. I don't. I don't know if I want my last show before vacation being about being titled about packaging. That just that feels like a. Uh, a failure on my part. Like, I didn't show up for duty. Although we did have a good organic discussion about it. They're
4: fools.
0: com. Noah, have you gone? Do you see one you like? What about you, Wes? Did you see Uh, one you like? Thanks for making it, Wes. Where are you right now? Where are you Uh, right
6: now? I'm at the beautiful East Hotel in downtown Portland.
0: Downtown Portland. I I just you know, last I heard you were just uh, rubbing elbows with Linus, so
6: you know, uh, we're just best buds now. Yeah. He's a very nice guy for face-to-face.
0: I heard you were making him breakfast.
6: He loves his eggs, bacon, and he, toast. He,
0: he made fun of my suit. Yeah, that That's is rude. true. That is true. Yeah, that is yeah. that is that is Noah's experience with Linus.
6: Yes,
1: yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was there. A client had paid for, for my trip down there and, and paid for the hotel and everything. and um, And so I was representing them and i was in a suit and i was with there's other people there that I, from the company and uh, and i walked up met him and shook his hand got my picture and he's like why are you wearing a suit and i'm like well. that's amazing yeah he's like you shouldn't wear a suit this is this is you're the only person here wearing a suit that's that's very strange i don't know why you'd wear a suit here and i'm like not because other people, think us the company, were right. So he questioned
6: your Linux like credentials, right? Basically, there. You know, he's like, "Are you?" He's, not, not, he's like, are you, "Are you not a geek?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's rough, man. That's rough. Uh, I, I got a chip on my. You could shoulder never
6: here. make a kernel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I mean is true. I couldn't either, but like whatever. What do you guys think of universal divide?
1: You like that? I like the universal divide. Yeah, I'm voting for it. i just
7: voted for I now think- it. I think. Out eleven.
0: Okay. No, this is the chat room out No, chat room shout out right here.
7: Oh.
0: Oh, yeah. There you go. That's chat room shout out. Okay. Yeah, that's way different, Noah. See, is, is chat room shout out in the Dropbox? Uh, well, the soundboard. No. Yes. Well, probably everything's in the Dropbox at some place. I okay. mean, the soundboard's right here on the machine. But yeah, I don't know about. I'm sure it's in there. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome, X metal. You're welcome. That was a literal shout out. Yes. I do it for you guys because you guys are voting over at JBtitles.com. So Universal Divide really looks like it's our winner. Part.
6: Yep, sounds good.
0: Okay, guys. Well, thank you for being here. I appreciate it very much,
6: uh, Chris. I'm going to miss you a whole week for several without seeing oh.
7: you. Oh. oh, Wimpy. Wait, you had Enterware news that I missed. What was that? Uh, well, they were listening live, uh, and they were just saying that the European shipping stuff is is about to launch any day now. So, uh, if, oh. if if you're from Europe and you can hear this coming soon, coming soon, including keyboard options.
0: Hey, very nice. All right. Well, really everybody, for them. Everybody yeah. treat Noah nice.
7: He may or may not be yeah. in the studio next I think, week for that. I lab. think we should switch yeah. to the Mumble yeah. server two or three times. Maybe yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, change, no, I, change the no, website no, I, address. Actually, That'd be good. address. Actually, that's, that's all, all of
0: that. actually. Team
6: speak is pretty good.
0: All of that's actually happening between now and the next show. So.
3: Wait,
0: we're Stop no, publishing we're to YouTube. Really? YouTube the video. Mumble server's changed. Yeah. we got to shut down the old Mumble server, and the website's moving this weekend. So you're welcome, Noah.
4: Uh, no the site the site for the Moser is done. The, yeah. uh, the uh, transfer for the old thing is already done.
0: Remember, make JB great again, Noah. Okay? That's your mission. You know, here's my mission. Here's here, you're gonna start a new slogan.
1: I'm gonna get you a hat and a flat brimmed hat and everything. And okay. it's going to say, screw it, we'll fix it in post.
0: Or no, 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 no. Screw it. Somebody else will fix it in post. No, come on, you know me. i do it live. Yeah, Rekai will fix it. In post. Yeah, I out of all the people on the network, I'm the guy that least puts it on Rekai to fix it. Because yes. uh, you know, unless it's Comcast. Yeah, and, then,
1: and like, well, on the other
0: hand. I'm just saying there might be other people on the network that are worse about it. Welcome to BSD Unplugged. <laughs> I won't call out names. <laughs> But there may be people on the network. This is
6: BSD unplugged.
0: They expect a lot done in post and it's not me
6: Those BSD guys don't know how to
0: make anything. What? Right. Right? how did you know it was them? I didn't say anything. What <laughs> what all right? We got to get out of here. Thanks you guys. I got to go uh, Thank you very Chris, much. Have
6: a wonderful vacation. I will go enjoy yourself yeah. and relax. I will thank the you. The network will be fine
0: Yeah, wait now. I thought it was until you said that no, now. I'm get worried. Get out of here. Get out of here. Okay. Bye guys Bye. Bye Noah. Thank you. You're bye. a darling. Bye-bye now. Yep. You're the bye. best, assist. Enjoy the rest of your craziness. Thank you for making it, Noah. Hugs and kisses.
1: Yeah, hugs and kisses. Bye-bye. All right,
0: bye.